in a world few have dared to explore. Two men set out on an epic journey to answer life's manliest questions. From the Fortress of Smoothitude in Lawrence, Kansas, it's The Gentleman Podcast with Glenn Stansberry and Brian McKinney. Welcome to the Gentleman Podcast. I am Brian McKinney. I'm sitting to the left of the claustrophobic Glenn Stansberry. We've <laughs> <laughs> got a change of venue tonight, Glenn. Mm-hmm. We're up in my uh, office slash studio slash uh, rompus room. Rompus, yeah. Uh, not a lot of room for rompus. No, there's right not. Now. No. We had uh, my uh, Laura's parents mm-hmm. visiting, staying at the house. And so, not only we're, we we've been moved up into my office to do the podcast, mm-hmm. um, but then also because we had to clean up really quick for her parents to get here because our house was like full of junk, you know, basically. Mm-hmm. So, what do you do when uh, you got to get a lot rid of like get things out of the way mm-hmm. for the in laws to come up? You spare know room, mean? spare room, spare room. Put that up in Brian's office. That's what the that's mm-hmm. the tagline. You know, yep. that couch. Put it up in Brian's office. Get it out of the way. That's what my office is for. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and quick, anyway, somebody's coming over. It's like we're surrounded by that warehouse <laughs> in Indiana Jones. Yeah. You know, like there's all the boxes everywhere, and like we're right in the middle of it. There's some paintings over here. Yeah, exactly. Money. Right. <clears throat> the uh, yeah. So anyway, it's that, not so bad. No, it's not. It's not bad at all. I, I, I it's kind of, it's, it's close. I'm sitting on Glenn's lap right now, so <laughs> it's, it's all working out just fine. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's not real. That doesn't really. That's not a real thing. All right, Glenn. Well, anyway. So speaking of not real things, mm-hmm. uh, we are co-founders of a site called Gentleman dot com. Just exactly. hearing, just hearing it mm-hmm. makes my heart flutter. That's right. It's, it gets my heart skipping a beat. Pal- palpitations. Uh, Gentleman dot com is a great place to go visit all yes. the time. 100% of the time. No stop. It's not one of these sites where, okay, like say if you go to like a CNN or something, like, mm-hmm. you go to CNN you like read the news, you're like, man, that's a real bummer. Mm-hmm. I don't want to come back to this site for like a week because mm-hmm. I'm so bummed out after reading all these news articles. Mm-hmm. Gentlemen's not like that. Nope. It's always fun all the time. No that's matter right. what. Guaranteed. 100%. Money back guarantee. If you send us money. If you send us money, we will return that money if you don't like gentlemen 100% of the time. Guaranteed. It's easy, people. Yeah, exactly. What more of a what more of a, a money back guarantee? It, it, it's it's a it's a beautiful thing, Brian. It is. <clears throat> it's true. Um, so anyway, visit gentleman.com if you want to be happy. If you want to be sad, go to CNN. That's right. That's go basically to, go it. to HuffPo. That's your choice. Uh, Yahoo News. Exactly. Any any news provider, yeah. basically. Yeah. Anyway, um, okay. So and if you want to say you want to, you're you're done reading. You've just read CNN.com, and you went to Gentleman, and, and Gentleman made you feel better, but you're done reading for the day. Mm-hmm. A great thing to do on your ride home is to plug into podcast.gentleman.com. Mm-hmm. There you can listen to 62 previous episodes of me and Glenn talking. <laughs> and if that doesn't get your heart <laughs> beating, <laughs> then I don't know what will. That's right. We have... Those are action-packed episodes. They're, that's right. Uh, we that's review right. beers. We... Mm-hmm. Um, we make uh, gross errors in judgment. Yeah, we do. And I will throw out random facts that aren't true. That's right. Which you have to go fact check. And I will 
berate Glenn for throwing out the random f- errors of judgment that... That's right. Yeah. But he won't fact check either. No, exactly. So, so I, and I'm It's wrong. a perfect system. I'm really. basically wrong the exact same <laughs> amount of time. I just edited it no, out. I'm saying you won't fact check me. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. right. I won't. Yeah. So... But, but I, we know I, I'm wrong. When I'm wrong, I just edit myself out. Mm. So, like, it just looks like I'm mostly right. Mm. Sometimes I throw in, like, an error once in a while for myself because i got to make it look like he can't. Nothing's perfect, so you got to, like, whatever. Right, right. But most of the time, I get to edit, so I can just, like, if I say something stupid, I'm like, gone. Glenn says something stupid, I'm like, all right, that's... This, this is great stuff yeah, right here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this makes me look so much better. Anyway, uh, you can follow along with those uh, previous episodes by going to podcast.com. You can also follow along with this episode where you can find the links that we're going to talk about on this episode. You can check out the drink of the week that we're talking about. You can mm-hmm. do all kinds of stuff. That's right. Uh, and the final thing is, if you want to get in touch with the Gentleman Podcast, with me and Glenn directly, there's no middleman. You send a letter to P.O. Box 442305, Lawrence, Kansas, 66044, and me and Glenn will receive the letter on Tuesday. We will walk through. We will pick up the letter, and we will think about it for several days. Yes. And then we will put it up on the gentleman's wall slash hall of fame, which we know as the Hall of Fame. Uh, and we'll talk about it on the podcast. And then maybe we'll reciprocate with some kind of return postage Goody. thing. Yeah. Um, and if you want to get in touch with us, but you're too lazy to use the Meadows Postal Service, which I find a lot of people are these days. Sad state of affairs. <sighs> you can send us an email at howdyatgentleman.com. Or hit us up on one of the social networks. Mm-hmm. End of story. Yeah. There's there's lots of ways to get a hold of us, but the best, always the best, is the USPS. U.S. Postal Service. Yeah. Because basically, Brian and I go to the, we skip over to the, ho- to the, to the, to the, hosp- to the, po- <laughs> we skip over to the post office. That's right. Uh, you know, Super like literally excited. skip. Right. Yeah. Really skipping, skipping over down. there. Yeah. And we peer inside the P.O. box and right. oh, we, we put in the key it's like pull Christmas. it out and we throw it in the air and we jump simultaneously exactly and high five yeah high five air. it's like Christmas man <clears throat> every yeah. week it's great love hearing from people out there so send us a letter P.O. box 442305 Lawrence Kansas 664 <sighs> alright Glenn let's get into the uh, drink of the week for this week let's do this this is this is going to be quite the segment so Glenn, I was at the at the store, mm-hmm. and I was in search of something, and I was hoping for something a little bit different than the, the way. I'm doing a lot of loggers. Yep. And uh, I so I went over there. There was this. They have the normal uh, refrigerator section. They have the whole liquor section and all this stuff. And then mm-hmm. in the back corner, I noticed like in the back they had these shelves off to the side. This is like in Gremlins where Ooh. the the father goes in this little shop, and then he's like, "Oh, you don't want that." That you don't want to go back to no you don't want the no you don't want gizmo you don't want it you know yeah so I went to the back of the store into this little shelf and what did I see peering back at me Glenn but the um, trooper ale created by Iron Maiden and uh, the, the band the band Iron Maiden this isn't a brewery this isn't a uh, medieval torture device this is the band um, and the the brewery is called Robinson's mm-hmm. and apparently uh, they're from Cheshire England mm-hmm. and I was doing some reading about this brewery Glenn and it's a family run brewery I don't understand the dynamics of English breweries because the story was that the per- like the the person that started the brewery bought a hotel and then started making beer there and mm-hmm. then they purchased other pubs and then now they own 330 pubs in England and they brew their own beer for the pubs like here in the US I don't know of anybody that brews their own beer and distributes it through their own pubs that they own 
You know what I mean? Yeah, it, this, I'm sure it happens, but it's probably right. not that not that prevalent. So anyway, I thought that was kind of a cool story. And uh, so the, I don't know how this came about. I really don't. Apparently Bruce Dickinson, uh, Iron Maiden's singer, is like a big, he's really big into beer. I'm not, he, I'm not sure. But anyway, the, the story behind the, uh, the song that inspired mm-hmm. the beer, which is what I found was pretty, pretty intriguing, was uh, it was originally inspired by the Charge of the Light Brigade. Mm-hmm. It took place at the Battle of Balaclava mm. in 1854 during the Crimean War mm-hmm. when 600 British cavalry courageously charged the massed Russian artillery this gallant but foolhardy assault resulted in a massive loss of life sorry that's not funny massive loss of life and came about due to a misunderstanding of an order given by the commanding officer Lord Raglan whoops no no I said stop I said stop yeah (laughs) Uh, where did you get go so yeah I don't know I don't know what the story is I, I know nothing about British war history it's sad because 1854, I think I know about the Civil War and all this stuff that happened mm-hmm. in America in the mm-hmm. 1800s. I had no idea that there was the Battle of Crimea. Crimea? Crimea. Crimean War. <clears throat> you know anything about the Crimean War, Glenn? Not really. Just that it happened. Okay. I know it was there. I think I, I think I need to I need to check this out. Uh, find out what the story with this is. That's not... This story that you just told, Brian, is not a good omen for the beer. That's what I'm wondering. Basically... Interesting choice. We're, we're saying that this beer. beer is a failure. It's inspired by failure. <laughs> it, was, uh, it, was a, it was a courageous effort, but it failed. Now, I will say this. For the beer's courageous effort, the artwork on the front is pretty awesome. It is. Yeah, it is. I, uh, I'm a, this is some classic Iron Maiden artwork. Look, I don't know if you can get this wherever you are. I'm not sure. This, is, <laughs> this was the weirdest thing. I just happened to see the Iron Maiden. I was like, okay, well, i got to try this then. Um, hmm. and it says Bruce Dickinson. It, he developed a beer which has a. See, this is the thing I'm wondering: Did Bruce Dickinson actually develop this beer, or did the brewers at the Robinson Family Brewing Company develop this beer and slap Iron Maiden's title on it? I don't know. But the the flavor description sounds tasty: malt flavors, citric notes, unique blend of Bobek, Goldfins, and Cascade hops. Dominate this deep golden ale with a subtle hint of lemon. Okay, this is going to be very British. Okay, yeah, it is very British. Okay, be All careful. Right. Oh. I don't want to do that over here in case it. Oh, uh, I don't know. I can't. Okay. I'm not sure. I, I, we've had problems with beers blown up before, so. Okay, I need to under it a little bit. Oh, okay, okay. It didn't Woo. blow up at all. Look at that. All right. All right. Cheers, Brian. Cheers. Clinky. Uh, there's no glass clink. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Interesting. Maybe maybe a second simple. Well, could uh, could have used a little less iron, a little bit more maiden. Is this uh, is this a beer? Dude, smell it. It smells. I know. That was the first thing that hit me when I opened it. Like, I think it's maybe maybe we'll give them the benefit of the doubt and it's a little it's bad <laughs> maybe it's skunky well it was a valiant effort it was a courageous effort man to make him <laughs> you know uh, Bruce Dickinson 
Yeah. Mmm. Oh boy. Ooh. I've got a bad feeling about this one. Ooh. And the, the, the worst part is that it just kind of lingers. It just kind of hangs out on the back of your throat. It doesn't really let go. <clears throat> like a... I'm trying to... Misunderstood order. I'm trying to find a way general. to... I'm trying to find a way to see a positive light with this. It's, it's It might not be the worst we've ever had. It might not be. I mean, this can't be worse than the goes. This is not worse than Hibiscus goes. No, it's not. This is actually a beer. So... It's got that going for it. Mm. Okay. Well, and it's got Iron Maiden. Okay. What about the price? Let's. Oh, oh, Brian. Did we pay for the brand name? Um, the price on this, Glenn, was I. It mm. was a. Uh, Ten ninety nine. For, for okay, but these are these are tall boys. These, these are, are pints. pints. Four pints. So, so, so two fifty a pint ish. Two seventy five. Mm. Yep. Um, 75 a pint, mm-hmm. which is like. So. It's like $8 a six pack, maybe? No. It's it, something. No. It's the, not going to win. No, no, it's no. Not, they, there's less beer in this four pack than there is in a six pack. Yes, yes. And it's ten ninety nine. Yes. So if we adjusted it for for scale, I would say that the price would be like eleven fifty. Oh my this. gosh. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> now, 650 of that probably goes to Iron Maiden. Well, you know, why wouldn't you pick a different band to make this beer? Why wouldn't you pick a different like the beer? Like Rolling, Rolling Stones or something. You know what I mean? Oh. Man. It's like, Maybe we're just not British enough. Maybe this is a really British beer and we just maybe. don't get it. Is Iron Maiden a British band? I don't know. I don't either. British? I don't, I don't know. know. Really I don't know. Iron Maiden. I can't think of one. Uh, I don't even know any Iron Maiden songs, actually. Um, anyway, Glenn, all right. Well, we better get on track here and get right. this thing figured out. Okay, so the MTS is not going to like this very much. I can already tell you right right out the gate. Oh, my goodness. What, are you, what is your input for the MTS algorithm? This is... Uh, we're we're going to break some new frontier here. I think. Yeah. The price is really going to hurt it. <laughs> Not in a good way. What did we say was going to be adjusted? Eleven fifty. Eleven fifty. Yeah, that's that's Ish. a tentative. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. Let's describe the taste a little bit. Imagine uh, Windex. Imagine taking PBR right and putting it in a rain barrel. Mm-hmm. Having it sit out for a while and then spraying a couple sprays of Windex in it. Yeah. Maybe some Elmer's glue. Yep. Or something. Mm-hmm. Shake uh, it up. Shake it up. Get yeah. Iron Maiden seal of approval. Have mm-hmm. Bruce Dickinson christen it. Yeah. And uh, whammy. Uh, all right. So, wow. All right. So, I mean, okay. It's not hoppy. <sighs> it's not hoppy. Nope. 30, 35 IBUs. It's not tasty, though. It's not tasty. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, 35 IBUs. 35 IBUs. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Not that it matters. According to this dark time. web. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I'm going to say... Gosh, this is just like the most unscientific. It's uh, uh, what we give the goes. Let's get the baseline here because I forgot how bad. What, what we, did we do for hibiscus? Five or six? Oh yes, this is from episode twenty-four, Burning Heart. Uh, the hibiscus goes. Oh, we didn't put the. We didn't have an MTS score on this. I didn't put a. a we, there's no score on it. It was before we were doing the, the MTS. 
Or if it wasn't, I didn't put it on the website. I don't know. I don't know what the book goes has for a score. All right. Well, okay. No, I'm just gonna say. Oh, 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 I got it. Um, I will. It, I'll. I'll come back later. Okay. Future Brian. Future Brian will will tell will tell you what the score was. Okay. Right. I think so. Okay. So, uh, Future Brian, uh, tell Glenn the score from Hibiscus Goes from episode twenty-four. It was a three point five. Oh. oh, okay. Thanks, so that, Brian. Right, right, right. Okay, so it just has to be lower than that. Okay. Um, well, not uh, higher. Higher than that. It has to be higher than that. Yeah, so all, all we have to do... This is like, let's make a deal. Okay, so all we have to do <laughs> this is, is sort of do a game make show. it... <laughs> we have to... We have to make sure... I mean, Hibiscus Goes is definitely... This is better beer than Hibiscus Goes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I will say, as it gets warmer... <laughs> It yeah, I'm starting better. to it tastes a little bit better. It is growing on me, actually. Okay. Kind of like a fungus. Kind of like a... Yeah, kind of like that. Okay, Glenn. So what are you thinking about the uh, ATS? Uh, man. Because future Brian can also adjust these scores in future time if uh, if said scores are I mean, we, this can't be higher than a 7.5, right? No. <laughs> no. Can, it, can it be as no. high as a 7? That's pushing it, man. I, I'm going to I'm gonna give it a 6.8. You a 6.8? I'll give it a six nine. Six nine. I, I actually agree with you. I don't think that this deserves a seven. I don't think so either. I mean, it's gosh, the price. I know the price is killer. Yeah, that's that's just not. Good don't don't buy this beer, <laughs> please. Okay. Um, let me input this in the MTS computer. Mm. Let's see what happens here because yeah. this is a weird situation. We got. Um, let me let me type this in here. Non-standard right bottle size. Non-standard. We got pints instead of bottles. We got a four pack instead of six. We got we got Iron Maiden instead of uh, instead of a reputable brew company. Right. It's an English beer. Um, <laughs> it's four point seven percent alcohol. It is thirty five IBUs according to the dark web, and it is ten ninety nine for the four pack of pints. Uh, so let me okay. Let me give a second. See what the MTS computer comes out with on this uh, on this beer. Okay, let me pull it off the okay. MTS uh, printer here. It's printing out, okay, and um, okay, it's a six point nine. So the MTS wow. algorithm actually. Agreed with us on this. Now let's look up what uh, our friends over at beersnob.com had to say about this, this beer. Be very interesting. I would love to know what they thought about this beer, mainly because I still don't know what I think about it. Oh, they do. They. I, I was surprised. Beer, what? Advo- beer advocate has this. <laughs> they actually have it. I didn't. I didn't think they'd have it, but they do. And they um, beer. Or sorry. Beersnob.com. Beersnob.com. Uh, it's rated at a 77. Wow. Somebody this, likes Iron Maiden. This is exactly why Beersnob.com Do is... not buy this beer. Uh, 77? You might read that and think, well, that's pretty good. I should try it. It's an Iron Maiden beer. It's rated 77. It's mm-hmm. probably pretty good. It's not, folks. It's not. <laughs> and we're going to... We'll just tell you. It's not yeah. a very good beer. Uh, the, but the bros, the voice of reason, apparently have it at a 70. So that's a little bit closer to, to um, our thinking. Whew. 
What anyway. a wild card! Hey, you're not gonna hit a home run every time, Brian. That's right. I, I appreciate I appreciate and laud Iron Maiden for branching out and making a beer. Now, that's right. Go back and keep trying it until you get a good beer, and then come to market with it again. Please go with someone else. Uh, please, please do whatever it takes. I'm interested in this Robinson Family Brewing Company, though. Yeah, the, yeah, the Swiss Family Robinson. Yes. Yeah, I uh, I wonder if uh, maybe we give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe the importing, you yeah, know, process. Maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe if we go to the Robinson Brewery in the little pub somewhere. Right. Kind of like how you go to Guinness and right. it tastes good. I guess. And then Guinness is terrible every place else. What? No, terrible. I'm just joking. Uh, I love it's Guinness like, actually. Guinness, well, isn't Guinness amazing there and pretty awesome everywhere else? Yeah. Okay. I would agree with that. Um. Yeah. All right. Well. Good. Okay, Glenn. Gracious. Let's get on. The next segment before we really regret something. Um, I already do, and that was buying <laughs> the Iron Maiden beer. Hey, uh, well, we've already got next week's beer picked out. That's right. We got a doozy next week too. It could. It, we'll see. I how like this path we're going down. We're oh, not just man. trying stuff that you know we're comfortable with. This is we're getting off into the weeds. We're, we're overturning the apple cart here. We can't That's have right. status quo. No, we can't. Iron, you know what? I, I I'm glad we tried this, Brian. Mm-hmm. I I am too. I mean, my mouth isn't glad, but no. But deep down, uh, deep down, past the beer, mm-hmm. I'm glad. That's good. So yeah, I think we should. I think we should continue to push the envelope on this deal. I concur. So speaking of pushing the envelope, that brings us to our next segment, mm-hmm. and which is where we feature some of the incredible posts that were on gentleman.com over the past week or so, and. L- Batting leadoff is our good friend Nicholas. Yes. Nicholas has posted this article from uh, Mental Floss, which is a great site, and on Gentlemen Often. And this it's titled, On This Date in 1974, Tencent Beer Night Went Horribly Wrong. And if you click over the article, it talks about in 1974, Cleveland was a terrible baseball team. Mm-hmm. Really, really bad, and they were playing the Texas Rangers, and so some genius in the um, in the uh, PR department thought, "Well, how can we get people to come to the games?" I have an idea. We're going to give ten cent cups of beer. This is a brilliant marketing idea. It's brilliant. All mm-hmm. right, twenty five thousand people showed up. Okay, mm-hmm. twenty five thousand people showed up um, to watch a terrible baseball team right. fall all over itself. Mm-hmm. Now, it started off good. But unfortunately, as... About the sixth 10-ounce beer. Right. In. Uh, people started to get a little rowdy. There was some, you know, random nudity here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, people were hopping onto the field and, you know, doing things. And at one point, uh, it got so bad that people got onto the field and started attacking the teams. And so the teams had to unite. <laughs> the opposing teams had right. to band together and... Kick the crap out of anyone who tried to beat them up. Anyway, with bats, right? With bats. Now, granted, don't feel too bad for the people getting you know beat up because the, the players were having uh, rocks and beer bottles and uh, all sorts of weird things thrown at them throughout right. the game too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, good <clears throat> good idea, but it's like communism, right? Right. Communism on, theory, is, on paper it looks um, good. It's a fantastic idea. Right. They got twenty five thousand people in the door, mm-hmm. but you put it into practice. And it just kind of falls apart. 
This is like, <clears throat> this is something that gets repeated over and over in sports, Glenn. And I can tell you this from experience because I am a K State fan. Okay. And our good, our great athletic director, John Curry, um, one of his first promotions that he did was at, I believe, a women's basketball game. Mm-hmm. And in a similar vein, uh, he wanted to promote this women's basketball game. And it was kind of like, well, what do we do to get people in the door? You mm-hmm. know, blah, blah, blah. I got an idea. Free hot dogs. Mm. You show up to the women's game, free hot dog. Wow. So um, they they did this the big promotion, free hot dogs, you know, and it was like waiting lines to get into the place. What? Like free hot dogs. <laughs> Everybody wants to come watch it. I, I will say that the K-State does have a, a decent size following for women's basketball. They've been yeah. historically, in, yeah. know, in the last decade, they've been pretty good. Um, but anyway... Everyone in Kansas came to this game. <laughs> they run out of hot dogs. Uh, people are burning John Curry in effigy outside because <laughs> of their lack of hot dogs. I mean, people were so angry. They ran out of hot dogs. Everybody wanted to just destroy this guy because of it. You okay. know? And it was one of his early decisions and everything like that. So people were kind of, you know, he's the new guy. He makes a decision like this. It falls apart. Mm-hmm. And then people get pissed. You mm-hmm. know? Uh, but it wasn't alcohol. It was hot dogs. So uh, sports fans can turn on a, on a, on a dime on something that doesn't work out too well. Man. I so guess anyway, so. Um, it's, it's a tricky thing, but I, with this story, I think the whole problem started with making ch- really cheap beer at a sporting event that I understand now why I have to pay $10 for a beer at a baseball game. It's because of these people at this game. Yeah. If you had cheap beer, if they had Buck Night for beer, mm. you know, at the Royals game. Do they instance. ever do that at Royals? Games? They do Buck Night for beers? No, 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 oh, no, no, no. I was going to no, say. No, 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 no. They make lots and lots of American dollars from from beer. Man, and, and, and it's amazing watching people. I cannot understand the, mind, the, the, the mentality of going to a baseball game, which costs lots of money to go to anyway, paying for parking, paying for tickets for yeah. your family. And then just getting loaded off of the most expensive beer in your life. Right. I do not understand it. It's seriously like 10 bucks or something for a beer. Oh, right? at least. It, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I what we're drinking, like, this, this Iron Maiden tall yeah. boy would cost at least $10. Right. At least $10. Yeah, and that's a good deterrent. It's like, what are you going to do? Have right. like six of them? No. But the thing is, is that they do. <laughs> like, I was yeah. sat, we sat in front yeah. of people, you know. Anyway, people are going to do whatever, but. Yeah. I think having that price point, you don't want to give them extra incentive no. to, you know, drink a hundred beers. Basically, it would be hard. I mean, you'd have to be really rich. I and then the game's meaningless on top of it, so it's not like it's a you know I don't know. There's a lot of bad things that went wrong with this story, but uh, it's really great to know about this. We can learn from our past mistakes. We can move on. We can say, look, that's a bad idea. Exactly, Brian. Well done. And and and. What's great about this is now when I go and pay for a $10 beer at the baseball park, I can say, okay, this is okay. It's keeping the order. Yeah. Everything is in the right place because I'm paying $10 for this beer. you know, order. Exactly. If it, there would be a riot and people would die if mm-hmm. I wasn't paying $10 for this beer. And then I can justify that to, like, you know, Laura. I can say, like, yeah, the beer was 10 bucks. I got two of them, but... You know, because uh, the beer is ten bucks, uh, there's not a riot, and I didn't die. Right. So mm-hmm. there you go. Problem solved. 
Yeah. I will say another positive is that these two teams probably became friends afterwards. You know, probably they had each other's back. You know, beating each other. I mean, beating beating their fans up with baseball bats. That is the interesting part about it is that uh, they said they described it as the fact that the players were like so freaked out by the fact it was the other team. <laughs> yes, the opposing team was getting chased by fan like drunk fans from the <laughs> from the crowd and they were so freaked out by this that they actually took baseball bats and chased the fan like the opposing team like the, the home team actually chased their own fans with yes. baseball bats to defend the opposing team because it was so messed up it's pretty great uh, anyway just like thinking about that scene Brian. it's like court storm well that's different <laughs> that's completely different uh, <clears throat> Anyway, okay, Glenn, let's move on to something that's not sports-related. This is an awesome, awesome thing that's happening. I'm excited about this. I love this movie. This is a great movie. Um, And this is is posted by our good buddy, Zombie Cat Bacon. Posts stuff to the site all the time, and it's really good stuff. I really like this guy's stuff. Uh, Anytime he posts something, I stand up and take notice. And uh, this is one of it's those a little tasks. disconcerting when you work next to Brian because Brian literally stands yeah, at attention. Right. <laughs> Brian. Yeah. Um, but this is this is uh, Jaws is coming back to the theaters for 40th anniversary. So I, I like this idea. Um, Jaws 40th anniversary released in the theaters. I've never seen it in the theaters. I've seen it on a small television. It was the first time I saw it. And uh, so I, being able to see this on a big full screen movie experience is exciting for me. Um, this is a Steven Spielberg movie. This is like it's his first one, right? It, this is one of this was like the big one, I think. I, I mean, his his breakout. This is a breakout. This is the one where people were. This this is. A, I love this movie because number one, it's an excellent movie. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's based on a great book. It's executed really well, and Steven Spielberg was a young, inexperienced director. This was his first big break, and they threw him into the deep water. I mean. Pun intended. Uh, Everything went wrong. They were filming on water. This is like a classic movie maker mistake. Mm -hmm. Uh, You assume that you're going to be able to film on water fine. It doesn't work. Like filming on water is hard. And stuff breaks. Sets break. The mechanical shark that they were trying to use. Everything went wrong. And he somehow pulled it all together and made a classic movie. And became like... Because of this movie, Spielberg was able to make stuff like E.T. and these right. these great movies that are iconic. Because after you have some home run hit, where you know you're not expected to knock it out of the park, but then all of a sudden you do yeah. it, then you're the man and you can do whatever you want. And yeah. so uh, he made a, a lot of great films because of this one film. And it's a, if you watch this one, it's great. Yeah, it's a really good movie. It's still scary. I mean, yeah. I've seen it a bunch of times. All of the direction, all the acting and everything like that, top-notch. So I'm looking super forward to seeing this in the movie theater. Yeah, this is a great example of having a limitation, Mm -hmm. you know, and how you could film things. Like the mechanical shark that you were talking about. Yeah. They had all these problems with it, and so basically they shifted instead of the focus from being on... Because they never... They they wait forever to show the shark. Exactly, right. And and it's that... And it... I don't know if it was intentional or unintentionally, it became like this, like... What you don't what you don't see is scarier than what you could see. As far as I understand, the story was unintentional. I think that they had so many problems with the shark; they had to move toward. They were afraid of having to do it that way. Mm-hmm. They wanted to have the shark be. You know, they wanted to have an impressive and you know scary yeah. villain mm-hmm. throughout the movie. But mm-hmm. 
the technical limitations of that caught up with them and they weren't able to do it. So they had to pull the old Hitchcock, which was yep. make it scary, don't show it until the last frame. Yeah. You know? let, let it build up in their minds first. And that's pretty much what they did. But, um, you know, a lot of a lot of difficult problems with filming on the water and making everything work. But, man, what a great, what a great film. Um, I'm, I'm super excited about this. I, I, I'm really excited about them re-releasing classic movies in the theaters. I wish, you know... Uh, draft house movies, draft house, draft Alamo draft house movie mm-hmm. theaters do this a lot, where they'll have classic eighty movies, classic seventies movies, the genre movies, whatever. They'll show classic movies. I just think there's so many good movies that I would go pay and see. Yeah, absolutely. Now in the theater, in the theater, that I, I would almost rather go see some classic Hitchcock movie in the theater. Yeah, than I would some new release. You know, for the most part, there's some new releases I want to see, but for the most part, I would want to see some. The latest romantic comedy. I'd rather go see like, if, if Hitchcock. They're showing a Hitchcock, you know, Vertigo or something like that. At, yeah, I'd be like, oh, I gotta be there. I have to go see this in the in the theater. You know, we went and saw Big Trouble Little China. That's right, at Liberty a local Hall. theater, <clears throat> and it was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah, um, true. It was a totally different experience. It actually was. Yeah. It was yeah. pretty awesome. And then you had the whole crowd there. Everybody's yep. all into Hooten. it. Everybody else that goes to those movies is all into that movie. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. So that makes a big difference too. Yep. You know, instead and of seeing it for the first time, everybody's primed. Did you want, did you see that thing on Gentleman where somebody had posted an audio clip from an audio ki- a clip that a kid recorded from the original Star Wars? Like, seeing Star Wars, he went to the theater to see Star Wars with his mom when he was, like, 10 years old. Okay. And he brought along an audio recorder. And so he had an audio clip of the audience's reaction from the first Star Wars. It was pretty interesting. Anyway, the point is, like, that there was this real reaction from the crowd. Everybody was, or, you know, like, oh, you know, just this whole, like, (laughs) reaction from the crowd. And they were saying that, like, that doesn't really happen anymore. You know, you, you get it, like, people laugh at comedies but you don't have that full-on like people were gasping and laughing and like just together were like enjoying that movie you know yeah and uh so anyway i I just that you get that vibe when you go to see one of a movie like that because all the people that show up for one of those classic movies are all so into it that it's it's definitely a really unique experience so anyway people that show up for jaws are gonna be all jazzed about seeing it in the theaters i'm gonna be there uh, I want to go see this one in the theater for sure. So well, that'll be fun. <clears throat> Jaws. I'm looking forward to it. As long as he, as long as Steven Spielberg doesn't pull a George Lucas and like make the sergeant fire Jar Jar or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Jar Jar Binks is in Jaws. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> just, um, yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, I don't know, man. That that movie uh, scared the crap out of a generation or yeah. three of. Uh, Hitchgoers everywhere. Yeah. I, what a great horror movie. Yeah. I mean, everybody's got that in the back of their mind when they're swimming out in the ocean, man. What is down there? Yeah. I mean, you don't know? Yeah. It's a great, great idea for a horror movie. Anyway. All right. Glenn, well, is. final thing that we're going to talk about that was posted on Gentleman.com in the last week or so uh, is this great little article from Atlas Obscura. Um, and this is this was posted by our good buddy Ben Espen, naturally. And uh, this this is an interesting little article, um, and it's all about patent medicines. And basically, the idea is at the turn of the century, it's 1898. Okay, patent medicines are like at their absolute peak, 
And uh, <laughs> they have this great little quote that kind of sums it up. And it says, say you like wake up and you're feeling a cold. You're coughing, you're sneezing. It's 1898. So you head over to your local post office or hairdresser in search of a remedy, which you would because it's 1898. Uh, so you pick up Mrs. Winslow's soothing syrup. And the packaging claims it will cure anything from a toothache to a full-blown cold just five minutes flat. What the packaging doesn't say, of course, is that the medicine, which is applied topically to the skin, contains opium, morphine, and alcohol. A nice little combination (laughs) for curing cold. Uh, you know, they say, Glenn, Glenn, they say that there's no cure for the common cold. Mm -hmm. I believe that it was found in 1898 by Mrs. Winslow. She found it. And it's morphine, opium, and alcohol. Um, also cures glaucoma. So anyway, there is this great little story about where they, there's this library of New York Academy of Medicine found a lot of these old advertisements from the turn of the century, and they preserved them. They're available digitally. So they went through some of these, and they, they took some of the advertisements and kind of what the the claims that were made by them at the, before there was any regulation. And all these, all these charlatans, basically... Took things like heroin, yeah, cocaine, mm-hmm. um, and opium, and morphine, and threw them in with other things. Sugar, sugar. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about Coca Cola here, basically. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, and went to the the corner and said, "Oh, you're going bald. Uh, try this morphine sauce I made." Morphine. You know. And tomatoes and morphine. Right. And uh, that was the medicine, and it was 10 bucks. And it was like, all right, you know. And, so, and that, there, was, there was no regulation at all. all. And then it became this huge problem because all these people were complaining. They were making up all these fanciful stories about everything that would cure, selling it to people, and people were basically taking cocaine. And yeah, my cold feels better. Of course it does. Everything feels better. But now I, but now I have a cold every day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so it became a problem. Regulations had to happen. Then we have the modern FDA FDA to crack down on things. But one of the most interesting things about this story, Glenn, was yes, uh, at the very end they talk about the Bayer Company. And the Bayer Company actually still makes, as we know, aspirin. Mm-hmm. But they also, at a certain time... They have this advertisement, and it's for bare heroin. Hmm. Heroin, the sedative for coughs. Oh. <laughs> and many other things. And sedative for lots of things. <laughs> exactly. But Bayer is one of the only companies that still survived. They had, they've got a link to... They, they show about, I don't know, 15 advertisements. <laughs> and Bayer is the only modern company that actually survived this. And I assume they... It survived because they had focused on aspirin, which they've been selling for the last 100 years. Boys, we got to get out of the heroin business. <laughs> it's, it's not working out for him. Uh, so anyway, Glenn. Sales are great, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, Time tell. Oh. But no, I, I was I was thinking about this because of the drunk history thing. Yes. Uh, they have a drunk history Coca-Cola. episode about Coca-Cola. Yeah. And it's very similar to the story where this guy was just making these patent medicines, which were basically just tossing liquids together. It's basically like the Iron Maiden beer. You're just throwing stuff in the bottle and trying to sell it out, you know? And um, Coca-Cola was initially cocaine and wine, basically, and sugar. It's pretty close to the original. I mean, today's recipe is, you know. Yeah, exactly. Pretty close to that, I think. Right. So now they, they take away the wine and cocaine and you got a delicious beverage. Dude. They don't even have real sugar in it anymore. Right. 
It's corn syrup. It's, yeah, so it's about as far now away from what it was. It's crazy. Yeah. They, they, look, Lynn, every startup needs some kind of extra yep. juice to get started. That's right. You know what I mean? Yep. So for Coca-Cola, it was like all it needed was a little bit of cocaine and wine. And then it was 100 years, 150 years of uh, success. Cocaine and wine. New Coke. New Coke. So anyway, Glenn, I don't know. I'm glad I'm not in the patent medicine business. But it seems pretty awesome because unregulated, unregulated, unscientific, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't cure whatever. I don't know. But it sure feels good to drink this. It sounds like the self-help website business. Yeah, it kind of does, actually. We need some regulation for all the self-help websites. Right. Hopefully, there's no regulation on manly content. No, the thing I care about. There's we make various be. claims on gentleman.com that probably in a court of law will not handle it. As long as they don't listen to the podcast. Right. Our lawyers don't listen to the podcast. They, they visit no. the site from time to time. Our lawyers hate us. Yeah. They're not going to... Well, anyway. All right, Glenn. Well, let's move on. Uh, it's time for the um, Gentleman Toast for this week. Oh, that's right. Um, Glenn, this was... This is... This is a great little toast. Uh, I, I like this toast. I like this toast, and I'm also pissed about it. I'm going to explain it in a second oh. here. This this was posted by our good buddy Damon. Or sorry, our good buddy Demon. Yes. We, we established the fact that his nickname is pronounced Demon. Yes. And I, I, I butchered that. I'm sorry. Um, this, this is a video called The Dust Bowl Revival, which is a band featuring Dick Van Dyke. And uh, Dick Van Dyke, legendary Dick Van Dyke, stars in this music video and it, the, the music video concept's really simple the band's playing outside he's trying to dance with his wife Dick Van Dyke is 89 years old it's an 8 and a 9 Dick Van Dyke looks cooler than I do yes and I I am 50 years younger than him yes <laughs> more than I'm more than 50 years younger than Dick Van Dyke and he looks cooler than I do and don't, don't take it personally. He dances cooler than I do. Yep. He seems to be more with it than I am. I, I don't know. I'm I'm pissed off about this because it shows me that um, Mr. Van Dyke is the man. And I have a long way to go before I can achieve anything close to my desire of being a manly man. Oh, Brian. So Dick Van Dyke, you know, he... Uh, What's great about this music video is mm-hmm. that he, for being 89 years old, you think of somebody who's, you know, wheelchair bound right. or using a walker or a right. cane or not with it at all. He's dancing. Like he's, he's like Fred Astaire out there. Seriously. He's dancing. He's getting props. He's dancing around. And it's not easy music to dance to. It's like this old timey, like ragtime stuff. Yeah. And he looks cool not as Not a hell. problem. He looks cool as hell dancing to ragtime. No big deal. That's hard to do. Like, that in itself is hard to do. It's very, very different. Also, Dick Van Dyke, he's 89, and I think his wife is 46. Could be. I can understand why. I can understand the appeal. So, here's the thing. Imagine that your future wife was born today. That's pretty much how this... Wow, that's really weird. I never thought about it like that. Yep. Whoa. <laughs> I have a one-year-old daughter, so you better get your... Oh, that's really Watch weird. your eyes, Brian. That's weird, man. That, Isn't that crazy? I never thought about that. I think he was, he was married previously. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think she maybe. I, I don't know the whole story about that, but... But yeah, she's... Because he starts dancing. He's trying to get this, this lady to dance. Mm-hmm. And they're like, who, 
you know. Who's the lady? Who's yeah. the lady? It's his wife. Yeah, it's his and wife. She's half his age. Um, but, but that's fine because he looks like he's half his age. So <sighs> I'm just pissed. An 89 year old, 89 year old looks cooler than I. Hey, do. don't feel bad. It's Dick Van Dyke. Um, I, when I was a kid, I watched the Dick Van Dyke show yep. all the time. I loved that show, man. Um, Mary Poppins. Yeah, Mary Poppins, dude. How cool is he in Mary Poppins, man? I'm I'm not gonna. I, I love Mary Poppins. I love that movie. <laughs> oh man. It's a very good childhood memory watching that movie. Yeah, it is. Good singer, good dancer. Still a good dancer. 89. Julie Andrews. Let me tell you something. Ooh. I aspire to be as spry as this when I'm 89. As, and how cool is it that Dick Van Dyke, this band, called him up and was like, Hey, do you want to do a music video? And he probably didn't know who his band was or anything like that. And he's just like, sure. Come over to my house. Yeah, come on over. We'll do a music video. All right. And, uh, can I dance? Yeah. Okay, good. Oh, yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Uh, a toast to uh, Dick Van Dyke, to to Dick, a gentlemanly, a, ge- a spry, a spry eighty nine year old man. He is. You know. You know what this reminded me of watching this video. Uh, probably ten years or so ago, Christopher Walken was in a music video. Yes. Was, uh, yeah. Fat Boy Slim was yep. that? That's the one. Um, that, now again, it, but he was a, a trained dancer. Well, I think Dick Van Dyke is too. Oh, he probably is. Yeah, all those old school guys are probably yeah pretty well versed. But, but yeah, but yeah, same same kind of deal. Though Christopher Walken was in '89, and he's not '89 now. No, he was probably and, in his fifties. And that was that. a pretty highfalutin band at the time. Fat Boy Slim was yep. like on fire. This yep. is like some. I mean, Dust Bowl Revival. I don't know. Maybe they're pretty big. I'm not sure. They play old timey stuff. I like their music. It sounds yeah, good. It was nice. I don't know how popular they are, but it's really cool that Dick Van Dyke. He really pulled it off. He did. He did well, for 89, still pulled him in there. Mr. Van Dyke. He also escaped death, death recently. Um, somebody pulled him out of a burning car. Really? Recently, yeah. And the, the car burned to the ground, and he survived unscathed, basically. There was some kind of a car accident. His car caught on fire. Somebody stopped and pulled him out of the car. He survived, and car's gone. Uh, burned down in the frame. Wow. So, um, death as well at 89. Nice wow, I uh, can you imagine being the guy that pulls him out of the car? <laughs> oh hey, hey, yeah. Brian's handed me another tall boy of Iron Maiden's. There you go, buddy. Finest here, and I'm. Oh, you're still. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm taking put that back snow. down on the shelf. Well, I'm just trying to. Might as well just get it over. I'm trying to. You. Uh, I'm looking at it like the patent medicine. Just drink it on down, <laughs> no matter how it tastes or what's in it. Exactly. Okay, oh. Glenn. Uh, well, now it's time for the uh, <laughs> hot button topic. Um, nice little echo in this room. I like yeah, that. It is. It's, it's like different. a chamber. Mm-hmm. Um, Glenn, you were explaining to me how the MLB All Star Game works. Yes. Explain to me why this is a hot button topic. All right, Brad. The Major League Baseball All-Star Game mm-hmm. is entirely voted on by the fans. So you are given, I think it's something like 35 votes a day, mm. or 35, 35 votes per email address. I don't know. I haven't voted. But you get X amount of votes. Right. And you vote in for whoever. I'm talking about the public. The public. Anybody. Okay. You have an email address. You can vote for mm-hmm. the All-Star Game, who you want to be mm-hmm. on the ballot. And as fate would have it, 
this is a local story for us because the Kansas City fans um, have gone to the extreme here and have pretty much voted in seven of the nine positions. Uh, and a lot of them will be starters. So you vote for two players in each position. <laughs> Many of this, it, as if the voting ended today, mm-hmm. would be starters. Now, there could be a late surge. This might even out or whatever. But literally, there's like millions of votes separating... So basically, the all-star team will be the Royals. Will be the Royals, right? Now, <clears throat> I'm biased. I'll, I'll say it right up front. I think this is hilarious mm. because, I mean, and this has real implications because exactly the winner of the all-star game gets the that the, the division, division. So American gets, League, National yeah. League, the winner, the World Series. Is gets home home field advantage, which is pretty huge. Four instead of three games at home. Right. If it goes to seven, mm-hmm. which last year the Royals it came down to seven games, so they had four at home. Right. Didn't matter. Still lost, but still home field advantage. Home is pretty big in the World Series. So it's this interesting thing where you have uh, um, you have a totally democratic uh, like it's the Major League Baseball's attempt to like get as much fan interest and you know right. Whatever attention mm-hmm. on on their product, right. and it may have backfired a little bit, uh, but maybe it hasn't. Brian, what what are you uh, what are your thoughts on this? I was reading about this, and apparently, <clears throat> there's only been a couple other times in the past where the voting from the public has been out of step with reality. Mm. Basically, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm I'm just saying, I'm just saying. But in those times, the uh, the Major League Baseball has actually overridden the voting from the public to substitute players. But we're talking about, I think, in the 50s and the 80s um, that this happened previously where there there was too many players from one team. My question is, is it is it any advantage for the Royals to have that many people? It shouldn't. I mean, shouldn't the advantage for the Royals be to have the best players on the team for their league? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's like a one. One of the perks if you get if you get voted an All Star, you get. I don't think if you're a starter or if, maybe if you just voted in, you get two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Oh, so there's, there's some monitor. Okay. But if you're already making you know yeah. five million a year, it's not like you know. I mean, it's a nice little bonus, but mm-hmm. but the the only advantage is the home field advantage and. And, and obviously the the uh, you know bragging rights saying you know I was in the All Star game right Which, but I mean the home field advantage is based on winning the game right so, so you as a fan hey, if it's all Royals they're gonna win so mm, I see <laughs> so the, the previous time this happened was in 1957 fans of the Cincinnati Reds this is before the internet mm. stuffed the ballot box and elected seven Reds players to the All Star game yep commissioner at the time Ford Frick. A, that's like a great 1950s yep. baseball commissioner name. Mr. Frick, what do you think of these implications? Appointed Willie Mays, Hank Aaron uh, to substitute for the Reds players, Gus Bell and Wally Post, and took van, fan voting rights away in future games Hmm. based on that. So what's going to happen now? Well, I think what will happen now, one of two things. They'll either let it ride and just say, well, this yeah. is how it, this is what Because here's the thing. Here's the thing, Brian. It's not necessarily, I mean... It's not like anybody's cheating here. They created this system right. that said, hey, go nuts. They want people to go nuts because they're getting lots of people on their website. Mm-hmm. They're getting lots of attention over this. 
it's not a bad thing for Major League Baseball as a company. No, it's not. It's it's good. Yeah, it's all good for them for sure. And right. I was looking this up for like the Pro Bowl for the NFL. Yeah, um, they actually use three. They use three. They use players, coaches, and fans, and it's equal thirds. Yep. So if they need to cook the books a little bit, right? They can cook the books. Oh, oh yeah, the players and the there. There's no implications for the Super Bowl because it takes place after the Super Bowl. Right. You know what I mean? Right. The crazy thing about this story isn't the fact that they have the fans voting on who the All-Stars are. It's the fact that it actually has title implications. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Like, it's weird because... You, you could make the argument that home field advantage isn't that big of a deal, but it's a pretty big deal in sports. I mean, I think statistics consistently show that home field advantage is a real and provable statistical thing that happens, much like the MDS. Yep. For a beer race. Statistical. Exactly. exactly. You can prove it. And so that's what's surprising about it. I don't think there's any other sport. I don't think there's any other sport where the fans can actually influence a situation that could possibly influence the title game. Or at least have that much power over it. Right. I I mean, I guess in in a passing sense, you know, if it's a home game, the, the fans going crazy at different times have an effect on that. You know what I mean? But actually... Influencing the structure of the title game is pretty mm-hmm. crazy, and I don't think there's any other sport that does that. Is there? I don't know. I don't know how hockey or soccer or whatever works, but I, I'm, I don't. I think you're right. I think it's pretty this laissez-faire kind of. You know, everybody can do whatever. Um, I think. Uh, I think it is. A, I, I think on one hand, it is a little ridiculous. Mm. But I think it's. I don't think it's. I don't think you can blame fans. And again, no. I'm biased. I mean, they're just voting on who they want to go in there. Yeah. So, I mean, it's Major League Baseball's problem. Right. Um, because they created a system that said, well, this is an important game, but it's all about the fans, so we're going to let you do whatever. I Yeah, it's a weird... It's a weird mixing of those two concepts. The, the, the real... The, the real the, if, it, if it gets changes, it's going to be called the Omar Infante rule. And let me tell you why. Omar Infante is the second baseman for the Royals mm-hmm. and he is mediocre okay but he is it looks like he's getting voted in and might even start mm-hmm. the all-star game right this should not be happening let he me, should not be <laughs> let me let me say about that Glenn okay that in 1988 um, there were accusations against Oakland that Oakland A's fans had stuffed the ballot box typical um, in favor of catcher Jerry Steinbach whose qualifications of a starter were questioned by some sport writers. <laughs> Steinbach wound up being the game's MVP and proving everybody wrong, hitting a home run and a sacrifice fly to get both RBIs and a 2 and one win. Wow. So, as of right now, Omar Infante, statistically, is what we would call a terrible offensive player. He's batting, like, less than 220. Mm. Uh, I'm not a big baseball guy, but that doesn't sound very good. No. No, 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 no. So, it's interesting. The Royals have, legitimately, they have lots of all-stars. There are some, Mm. I really think that you can make a case that. Yeah. Most of them. A lot of them, yeah. You could say, like, there's a couple. This could work. I mean, should should all of them be starters? No. No. Mm -hmm. But. But. When when it's based on fan votes. It's a system. 
And you know, this was created before the internet. This was. And that's the problem. It was. And also, another thing too, I'm FMIA Ed. Derek Jeter has been voted in for the last forever because he's Derek Jeter. Right. He had a 20 year career. He really wasn't the Derek Jeter that he, you know, like he, as was he got older. The whole, yeah. But they still voted him in because he's Derek Jeter. Right. So it's not objectively. Right. There's other examples of. Yeah. Thing, like emotional swings <laughs> right. through it in the voting and everything like that. Yeah. I kick the leg. Uh, that's all good. Um, okay. All right. Well, I, to me, I think if seven Rose players make it in as an like, unbiased observer, I don't feel like it's creating any competitive advantage. So that. No, it's not. Yeah. I, that, that, that would be my thing because it's so weird is that you're talking about this guy that's clearly not qualified to nope. be in there. At that point, it's what's interesting is the Royals fans are actually hurting their team by doing that. In the long run, kind of, yeah. Yeah. I, I think they just have so many new fans. Yeah. Because of what happened last year, they was like, right. oh, all these Royals should be in the All-Star game. Right. You know? Well, I mean, in the Royals, what was it, 30 years since they've yeah. done anything right. like this right. before, you know. Still pretty uh, cool, though. Yeah. I mean, it... it it yeah. says a lot about the fans. Yeah, whether sure. whether you whether you like it or hate it, it says a right. lot about the fact that. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, people are coming out. Think of the about work. like the St. Louis fans that are sitting there, like, oh, Son you. Yeah. <laughs> ah. Oh yeah. I, I don't know, Glenn. I, yeah, they should. Uh, I don't know. That's the thing. It's like we need to investigate more about the other All Star games. I was looking at the NFL one. I don't know anything about the hockey All Star game. I don't know anything about the NBA All Star game. Uh, college doesn't really have anything like that. I feel like the NBA has some fan voting aspect I think they all do I think they probably adopted that as like a way to get more people jazzed about it or whatever but I think baseball is unique in that it actually affects I mean I I I fully believe that that has a home field advantage has a strong effect on the outcome of the game it almost made sense when you could write it in I mean the the internet makes it too easy to game the system basically 35 votes per email address Maybe we should start a new thing. It's like we contract out to Omar and we get them in. The, we do what it takes to get them in the All-Star game. Dude, here's the thing. There's already this this vote for Omar hashtag going on right now. He's, he's uh, That's what I'm saying. We could totally capitalize on that. <laughs> Look, all we have to do is say we started the hashtag. Okay. Of the two hundred fifty thousand that you get, and then we give us half. We go to baseball players and we say we will start hashtags on your behalf. Don't worry, we got this. But you got to pay us whatever the bonus half. What's the bonus in the All Star game? Two hundred fifty thousand. Okay, hundred thousand dollars. Boom, guaranteed All Star. So I went to gentlemen today, and it's just a picture of Omar Fonte. <laughs> yeah, is there something I should know? I'm just waiting for the email emails hey, from this. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. We can Whatever do it. Whatever it takes. We'll get the job done. Social media. Way of the future. Whew. Maybe. Okay, Glenn. Well, let's not talk about baseball because I know nothing about baseball, but I just talked about it for 20 minutes. <laughs> done and dusted. Um, but now it's time to talk about the final segment, Glenn, the last segment of the night, the last segment of the 63rd episode of Gentleman Podcast. Okay. <laughs> Questions from the Gentleman Mailbag. And, Glenn, it turns out that there are... Lots of soft drinks yeah. out there. And it turns out that a lot of them, they tried, they failed. It's like the Iron Maiden beer. They put a lot of heart in it and tried, and then Much it like failed. Much like the General's Orders. Yeah. Um, and then it went away. 
and but now some of now nostalgia is kicking in, and people are looking back at these sodas and thinking it's like a '60s rock band that just was never appreciated, you know. Right. But now nostalgia kicks mm-hmm. in, and people remember that band, mm-hmm. and they want to they they want to have that experience again. Man. And soft drinks are the same way. And so the, the question is, what soft drink from you know your youth, from the '80s, from the '90s? that was discontinued are you looking forward to resurgence well it's it's funny Brian so I have this I have this memory of uh, walking to school walking to junior high school and I don't know I don't know why I don't know what the thing was but I would get to school really early mm. and I would sit and talk with my friends for like half an hour before right. school started and wow that's weird it was crazy I don't know what I don't know what the deal was let's rebel get to the school early yeah, yeah. before school starts yeah, it was so cool <laughs> Yeah, we get here before school starts. It's, not, it's no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we would go inside, and we had two pop machines in my junior oh, high school. Yeah. Okay, no, that's not. Uh, yeah, two pop machines. Okay, and and we used to sit by them, mm-hmm. and so there was like this glow of nostalgia every time I think about these pop two machines, drinks. Man. Yeah, these two drinks. One was a Coke machine, but I think it was Coke. Shoot, Coke or Pepsi, one of the two, but it was a surge. It had oh, surge. Yeah. That was the front line. Mm-hmm. And then the other one was Fruitopia. Oh, yeah. It was a Fruitopia machine. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. It was awesome. What kind of alternative school were you... Fruitopia. Was this like... Rural. Hippie. Yeah. School. <laughs> it's coming out. Yeah. Wow. So, Fruitopia machine. Huh? Yeah. Was, I remember Fruitopia. I mean, I had that, but it was like store... Oh, no, 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 no. There, there, there was... There was other like okay. twenty ounce drinks in the. Oh, okay, it was like it Coke and Fruitopia, but it was Fruitopia was the front of it. Oh yeah, it was like a Fruitopia bottle. Oh, okay, like Come a branded Fruitopia. Fruitopia. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I remember Fruitopia, man. Oh I yeah, twist off little mm-hmm. things and then you, uh, did you did you ever drink Surge? I don't think I ever did Surge. Man, I don't know. Surge was disgusting. <laughs> it was so bad. I thought we were talking about things that you look forward to. Okay, man. it's nostalgia. You know, okay, like, yeah. and I, yeah. I don't look forward to that. I just remember that. Fruitopia okay. I look forward to. I, no, I, I want some Fruitopia. I think you're right. I think the ones that I was going to mention are ones that are terrible. Oh. But I'm looking forward to... I'm looking, it's looking like, forward to remembering why they're terrible. Yeah, I'm looking forward to experience that terribleness again. I'm really looking forward to be, be disgust, being disgusted by these drinks again. Yeah. Maybe someday we'll we'll do that about the Iron Maiden beer. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so okay. So Fruitopia and Surge. Surge. Those mm-hmm. are the two I remember most. Okay. Okay. What about you? I got three, man. Okay. I'm gonna. Okay, so I'm gonna start with Clear Pepsi. Okay. This is like a legendary beverage. I don't think I ever had it. I had it. I don't remember what it tastes like, <laughs> but it was not. It didn't taste like Pepsi. It was the weirdest thing. I don't think Sprite. <laughs> It was it was a total yeah. It tasted like something completely different. It was like a it wasn't lemon lime, but it was like a pretty much you know like mm-hmm. it was it was. I appreciate the idea, clear Pepsi. I mean, it's crazy to think about. Like mm. what? Who came up with this? Why did they come up with it? Why was it a good idea? There's no like health benefits. <laughs> To clear Pepsi, it's not like hydrates you. Like yeah, water. but I mean, it's 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 like the Ellis Obscura thing we were talking about earlier. Like, we like there's no discernible reason why you would want to have a clear cola. 
other than a complete novelty. Well, this... I don't know. I digress. I tried the clear Pepsi. It was not very good, and it wasn't around for very long. It's kind of like New Coke. It was like a year, wasn't it? If that. Um, But let me tell you the cola that I am looking forward to. Okay. Jolt Cola. Jolt. Jolt Cola. Lots of caffeine in that one. Yeah. Oh, man. I remember... You know, in the days when I was a high schooler or whatever, Mm -hmm. you're looking for kicks. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, You're on the streets at night. You're like, oh, I need to get... Let's go get the jolt. Yeah. Let's go get a jolt. Let's hop in the car that I just turned 16. And we get a couple jolts. And McKinney, you want to go get a jolt? What do you got? Let's go to 7-Eleven. What do you got? Jolt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that was that was the vibe. I just remember that. I, as soon as I saw the jolt cola, it was like, took me back to 16 years old, my 85 Honda CRX that I was rolling around town in, you know, uh, feeling yes. pretty tough. Oh you know yeah, I mean? mm-hmm. you got a Jolt Cola going. You got your tune. You got this 311 on the on the stereo. 311. <laughs> and your C- 85 CRX. Ah, <laughs> oh, that was a, that was a day, man. Hey, 311. I yeah. I forgot about that band. They were oh, great. Anyway, uh, being a Midwestern kid, that's what you listen to. You yeah, know? they're from Omaha. That's right. Uh, I'm from Kansas, so whatever. But anyway, okay. The point is, Glenn, the the real granddaddy of them all. Mm-hmm. It's not Clear Pepsi. It's not Joel Cola. Oh, okay. The granddaddy of them all is Zima, oh, which I am wait. just I'm so anticipating because I clear moments of my youth or blurry moments of my youth are associated with Zima. Oh. That was the first alcoholic drink I ever had was Zima. I think oh. I'm pretty sure. I, I, well, I had tried beer before that actually oh. but Zima was the one that was like the the introductory alcoholic drink oh. have you ever had Zima? yes Whew. I remember taking one drink my wife had one This man this would have been I can still taste it I actually just thinking about it I can mentally still taste it it's like a wine it's like a it's like a wine it's like a bit. yeah it's like a bubbly <laughs> Wine cooler. It's like it's like Seven Up and wine cooler. But man, they spent so much money on marketing that. Yeah, they like, did. How did they not? How was that? How did that not continue forever? You know what I mean? Yeah, I thought every hot chick ever drank Zima, based on marketing <laughs> yeah, in my youth. Exactly, which made man. me want to drink Zima. I, mean, I, like, I could be a hot chick. Yeah, I mean, well, I, could, I mean, <laughs> I could be talking to hot chicks about Zima if I was drinking it. You know what I mean? Oh. So uh, that's the one I'm excited about. I I think you know that could be a difference maker for me. I, I maybe maybe I relive something. Maybe I find some <coughs> some nugget of, of wisdom that I lost in my youth somehow. Wow, I uh, Zima. I was not expecting that one. Um, I'm excited about that. I think I think it needs to make a comeback. So allegedly, based on this website. And that's from the dark web, right? It's from the dark web. One second here. <coughs> Discontinued in 2008? Allegedly. But this site... <coughs> well, we won't even link this up because it's got some... It said that... Um, this site said that Vanilla Coke was gone. And like... That's not true. No, it comes back every summer. Yeah. So, uh, this is suspect. But the Zima... Uh, allegedly, it was a Miller. Miller Coors. Mm. Uh, allegedly went out after 2008. Um... But man, bubbly booze, Brian. Even the bottle still looks current. It looks like you can go to the store right now and yep. go buy it and be like, wow, this is pretty cool. It'd be like a refreshing, snappy little... Mm-hmm. 
Look, I'm fruit. I'm excited about this. I'm gonna. We should do this on the. We should Zima. podcast Zima with the Zima. I, I'm I'm wondering if it what ever actually MT- went out now. What What is the MTS score on a Zima? That's what we need to find out. Just find random drinks. We'll have to change the scale though because there's no hops in Zima. That's true. There's price. Yeah. Zima drink. All right, hold on a second here. It did discontinue in 2008. Oh. Variants were citrus, tangerine, pineapple. Pineapple citrus. Uh, I think maybe I had a smear off ice one time. Ugh, I've never had that. That was so painful. I... Yeah. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to Zima. I'm looking forward to Jolt. I'm looking forward to episode 64. Episode 64, yeah. Me too, Glenn. I'm not looking forward to Iron Maiden making another beer. Um... Yeah, this is not good. I, I we can say this with authority now that we are one and a half of mm. these, you know, pints in, and we tried. Yeah, we gave it. We gave it everything we had. <clears throat> the Iron Maiden um, is a good torture device. <laughs> it's a decent band. It's a terrible beer. <sighs> I was trying to think of a pun with Maiden. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um. Speaking of torture devices, though, Glenn, yes. it's time to end the podcast. Yes. Okay. Uh, this was episode 63. We're both looking forward to episode 64, as you just vocalized. Yeah. Um, stay away from the Iron Maiden beer. Don't. Don't do it. Don't do it. Um, pick up some Zima and some Joke Cola. Yes. Instead. Yes. That's a better choice. Mix um, them together. Maybe mix them together. Why not? Um... That was episode 63. I look forward to episode 64. I'm Brian McKinney. I'm Good Stansbury. See you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Good night.